0: 2019, I told myself that I was gonna run the New York City Marathon because I was in New York in November and it looked incredible. And the next year, 2020 was gonna be the 50th anniversary of the New York City Marathon. Obviously that didn't happen, so I had an extra year to train. In that extra year of training, because I was running so much, I got plantar fasciitis, which is like a thing that like old people get apparently, right? So now it took 17 months for me to heal my foot. I ran one marathon in 2021 Didn't get the pace that I wanted because I had some expectations about it. But I thought, that's okay. I understand. My body needs to be healing. And so this year, my body was in the right condition. i have been running a lot. My nutrition was in place. Things are going well. And so last Sunday, I ran the New York City Marathon again, except the entire day. I should pause for that. And yet the whole week leading up to it, my stomach was off. May have been the margaritas on Halloween. I am not sure. All I know is I wasn't feeling my absolute best. Sunday morning, I wake up to Montezuma's Revenge before the marathon. That is not what you want before you run 26.2 miles. So I am scrambling to hydrate and put nutrition in me. I go get Pepto and Imodium and we're damning this thing up, people, because we got some miles to run. I'm on the Staten Island Ferry getting to Staten Island and that whole boat ride, I am in the bathroom figuring some things out because life is not good. So I'm a little stressed getting to that starting line. It also happened to be the hottest day on record in New York City with high humidity for a marathon in history Not a big deal. So conditions are not perfect. I start the first eight miles of this race. I'm like, I actually feel pretty good right now. And I'm doing a really good pace. And then somewhere around mile eight, you know, when you have that moment of, "Uh uh-oh, I am not trusting this fart, my friends. No, (laughs) something is very wrong here. I find the closest porta a potty and get in there, and when I open that door, which is the only porta a potty around for miles, it is a crime scene, my friends. <laughs> so I have some choices to make. So I start scrubbing that thing down, and I'm in that porta potty sweating because it's humid and hot and it's a hot box in there. It's a sauna. So we got heat and we got smells and my body is not feeling good at this moment. And you are cleaning things that you do not wanna be cleaning. And you finally get to the moment where I'm like, oh my gosh, a little relief here. And because of all of the conditions at once, I start puking into the urinal at the exact same time. <laughs> and I will forever remember that moment. I was at a very big low in my life, just sweating, puking, and other things all at the same time. And I remember I just have to get out of here. And I finally got out of hell, and I get outside, and I run the next two miles, and I'm like, I think I'm going to be okay. I think I'm going to okay. I'm going to hydrate. I'm going to do all the things. And I just got to this moment where I'm like, I've never wanted to quit something so badly in my life. And so I FaceTime my kids, and I call my wife, and I see their little angelic faces as they're actually driving here to church, and they just motivate me. And I told myself, I'm going to refocus my expectations. I'm not going to hit the pace that I want, but unless I die, I will finish this race today. And so for the next 16 miles, it was some of the most miserable hours of my life. People are, like, cheering you on, and there's all these, like, incredible moments where people are like, weren't you inspired out there? No. When you, No. Like those bands, didn't they like motivate you? Not at all. When people were shouting your name, it felt like hell. When you crossed that finish line and you had that moment of euphoria, no, I was still just as miserable, right? It was all of it. And yet I'm proud of myself because I changed my expectation from here's the time that I want to get to I'm just going to finish and that means something to me. It doesn't mean anything to anyone else in the universe. I came in like 30,000th place. There are no medals for that. And yet I'm here and I'm proud of myself, and that's all that matters. And what I believe in life is that expectations are actually good. We live in a world sometimes where people say, you should have no expectations about anything. If you have no expectations, then you won't be disappointed. Tell me how that works out for you in a marriage. Tell me how that works out for you in your closest relationships. Tell me how that works out for you with God. Of course you have expectations. Now, as a healthy mature human being, you create boundaries around those expectations. You don't expect that everyone does everything how you want it and lives into your reality because you're a grown up, right? And at the same time there're just some basic things that you want from people and that the healthier and closer those people get to you, you create mutuality and respect and love and there are appropriate expectations there that allow you to thrive as a human being. So the big idea of where we're going this morning is that there are some shared expectations that we should have for one another in this place. And to do that, we're gonna talk about some things. We already talked about the New York City Marathon. Thank you for enduring that. We're gonna talk about shared expectations. And if we can talk about that, then Twitter, my friends. Apparently, some things have been going on. And if we can talk about Twitter, then we're gonna talk about from, and if we can talk about from, then of course for, and if for, then you know what. And if we can do that, then one of my favorite things in the entire universe, if you know me, it's just Venn diagrams. I just think it makes sense for how the whole world works. If we can talk about that, then we can talk about Amashio Day, and if we can do that, then the way of Jesus. And then a reprise, my friends, because about for the last month, I have missed these three things in my sermons, and so they're all coming back today, and we will hit. So if I'm at the end of my sermon, and you hear me wrapping up, and I do not talk about Kanye, Taylor Swift, and Beyonce, you stop me, and we keep the recording going, my friends. You ready to do this thing? Here we go. Follow along with me in Leviticus chapter 19. The Lord also said to Moses, give the following instructions to the entire community of Israel. The from is simply this, the Lord. The Lord is the one setting the expectations for Israel and who they are going to be in the world. Here's why this is a big deal. Who you get expectations from and who you make expectations for is everything. Sometimes we live in a world where we have expectations for things that are so far out of our reach that we have this massive layer of resentment when things way out there, when politicians way out there, when Elon Musk way out there is doing things that literally we have zero control over. And what I always wanna think about expectations is how do we bring these things closer to home? Have expectations for yourself. Have expectations for those that are most intimate in your life. And the closer and healthier those expectations are, then I believe those things will leak outward and that's what will change the world. There's this saying that goes like this. Sometimes we want to dismantle racism in this country, but we haven't even made our bed, right? Start at home and work your way outwards. It doesn't mean that you can't be focused on both, but it's what are the things that you can control and get passionate about. And so for the Israelites in this story, they are willing to take expectations from God, from the Lord, from Yahweh, because of who Yahweh is and what Yahweh has done for them. God is giving them expectations in Leviticus, which is an entire book about expectations. Some of you hear that word and you're like, "Ah, I'm triggered, a little shame, a little guilt, I'm not doing things right. That's not what the story is. This is a story of a God who in Exodus did all of the things that a God is supposed to do. God showed up exactly as God said God would do. God showed up in a way and changed their lives. God freed them, saved them, liberated them, rescued them. That's what we want God to do. That's how we want to participate with this God in the world. And so God frees us from some things, and God sets up new expectations for us. And for the Israelite community, these are the expectations that God has. Now, who are the expectations for? The expectations are for everybody. This is something that I think a lot about living in a very liberal and progressive community in Los Angeles and just what New Abbey is as a whole. Is sometimes I think the struggles in liberal and progressive communities is that we don't all agree on the same things. We're passionate generally, but we got a pretty big tent here, people. And sometimes in the conservative world, they're just like, guns and babies, we're good, right? And I think that's helpful in some ways because there's a limited scope that everybody gets behind. And sometimes the expectations that we have, where there's a lot of infighting because we all want different things. And they're all good things. But how do we come together and have a consensus about what some of the expectations are that we would have for one another? Particularly as people of faith. Again, I can't control what everyone else does out there. We're living in a world right now where we can control a little bit when Elon Musk opens a little, you know, the what's the thing called? The... The, thank you so much, the verification thing for everybody, right? We have some expectations and some accountability for that because people can just get off Twitter. And we see marketers getting off all the time and advertisers and saying, hey, we don't wanna be a part of this system. Sometimes there are small ways that we can participate in that. And sometimes there's other ways where if somebody just has a $60 billion check to write, that's not for me to always change. But what I can change is what happens in this room. What I can change is what happens in my life. What I can change is what happens in my family. And those are the expectations. And so when we go back to the passage here, what God is saying is give the following instructions or expectations to the entire community of Israel. The important thing about expectations is that we're all on the same page. One of my favorite things to say in premarital counseling is an uncommunicated expectation is called a resentment. If you do not communicate your expectations with one another, it will turn into a resentment. So God is clearly communicating the expectations with the entire community of Israel so that there are not resentments between one another. God is saying, you know what's going on here. I know what's going on here. How do we live into these things together? And when we live into these things together, that's the thing that actually heals the world. And we use this phrase or this framework in here all of the time so many of us grew up in a world of codependency where somebody else gave us all of the expectations and if we weren't living into that we felt guilt or shame all of the time and many of us just allowed the pendulum to swing and we live into independency where we make up all of the expectations and my freedom is my freedom regardless of how it affects anybody else on its extreme version but the world that we want to live into is interdependency Oh, I need to make some healthy expectations and choices for my life, but I also need to make sure that those expectations and choices healthily impact the people around me. And actually, that's harder work. I have to be more mature. I have to take things more seriously. I have to be more astute and faithful in this faith, not less, because I take so seriously my role as a human being in this world and that God has some things for all of us to share in. So we know that these expectations come from God. We know that we can trust God in these expectations because the story for the people of Israel is this, that God is giving us these expectations because God has shown up before. And we come into these rooms and we remember and we retell these stories together so that we can have a tradition where we say, God has showed up before, and then we tell some stories where God shows up again. Where five years ago, mom never thought she'd be putting makeup on me for the Wakanda right um, premier. Black Panther. And yet here we are, that we remember these stories of God's faithfulness If we evolve and we grow and we process, and that's the gift. And we never know where we're gonna be at down the journey. That if God has shown up in these places, how is God currently showing up and how God might show up again? And the answer for us in faithfulness is, how do we know that God has shown up before? Because we're here today. And if we're here today, then we can trust the fact that God has something to say for all of us. And as we continue in Leviticus 19, it goes like this. You must be holy because I, the Lord your God, am holy. We're going to fly through these. Each of, each, each of you must show great respect for your mother and father. You must always observe my Sabbath days of rest. I am the Lord your God. What they're saying here in a world of codependency is, yeah, honor your father and mother is a good thing. But many of you grew up in a world where you had a mom and dad said, hey, honor me and do what I say, but not what I do. Right? And we live in a world of health and interdependency where we say, yeah, we should absolutely honor our fathers and mothers. But we also want moms and dads who are living in ways that are respectful for their kids to honor in the first place. That this is something that we all do together. We just don't honor things just for the sake of honoring things. We honor things for the sake of the reality that these things have shown up and that they've been integrous and that they've been true and they've been honest in our lives. That God has been that way. And so God is asking the whole community to participate in these things. There's actually like 18 more verses, but I gave you a long uh, speech on budget. So I'm going to go to the very last verse. If you can go to that one in verse 18. It says, do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against a fellow Israelite, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. The expectations of God come in this Venn diagram. It's very simple. God says, I want to care about who you are and how you operate in the world. And so God says, be holy as I am holy. Holy is a word that gets a bad rap in our world, but I think it's a word that we can reclaim because holy just simply means other. It's your capacity to see things beyond yourself, and it's your capacity to be mature. I use this version of holy in here all of the time, but I have little kids. And when my kids sometimes are tired or worn out or have not had a nap or are hungry, guess what they do? They have tantrums. Why? Because they're kids. And holiness or otherness is my ability as a grown adult who's had a little bit of therapy, right, and a little bit of health in my life is to know, oh, my gosh, you just need a nap right now. It's my ability to stand apart from your tantrum and to say, I know that there's a bigger version of you going on here. and There's just a part of you that is exhausted. That is God. God is saying, I know you're worn out. You can't figure it out, whether that's something individual or systemic. And my ability as God is to stand outside of those things and to be able to handle the complexities of your life even when you can't handle the complexities of your life. And so God is saying, grow in that with me. Be mature as I am mature. Keep doing the work. Go to therapy. Find people in your life who support you. Be a part of a faith community where you can live out your values in a meaningful way in this world. Do all of those things. Be honest with yourself. And when you do those things, we participate in holiness with God. We participate in being other. We participate in seeing the world in a different way because inevitably there will be human beings who do things that we do not like. And our ability is to say, oh, I could just choose to be angry at them, mad at them, vengeful at them, resentful at them, or I can choose to step outside of this thing and have a healthier perspective of maybe, where are they at? What's the thing behind the thing? What is their actual want here? What do they have the capacity to share or not share? And those tools are incredibly important the closer and more intimate those relationships get in your life. And God says, not only do I want you to be holy as I am holy, I want you to love your neighbor. That the Venn diagram of being here is how do we live holy as God is holy, and how do we live into love in a different way? That love in a different way is our capacity just to stretch ourselves, our capacity to go beyond ourselves, our capacity to have an unconditional love that meets us exactly where we're at, to see people for who they are and to see us for who we are. That the radical message of Jesus has always just simply been that, That Jesus was just always a mirror for whoever he saw. And he just reflected back to them the image that they always were. And that's why Jesus healed people. That wherever Jesus went, he simply left people better than he found them. That is our call. Do we leave people better than than they found us or we found them? That when we are in their presence, because we've done the work of being holy and mature and other, that do we have the capacity to love them in a different way, that wherever they go next in their relationships or whoever they are, whether it's a brief conversation on an airplane or the most intimate relationships in our lives, that we are constantly making people better around us. And what I love about the way of Jesus is that Jesus doesn't just talk about these things, that Jesus embodies and models these things for each and every one of us. That's why Jesus doesn't do an expectations and instruction list with his disciples and say, let's sit down in a room now and study some Greek and study some Hebrew with one another. And this is how you will learn about the tradition of faith. No, Jesus says, I'm going to show you what it's like to be holy. I'm going to show you what it's like to love in this world. In your culture, they tell you that you're not allowed to hang out with Samaritans. So you want to know where we're going on a field trip today? To Samaria, my friends. Oh, they told you that you're not allowed to go around these other people because they're sinners and whatever. So you know go? we're going going on a field trip today? We're going to go near where a woman was caught in adultery. Oh, these people are demon possessed and they're untouchable and you're not allowed to see them. You're not allowed to hang out with the poor or the unjust. No, that's exactly where we're going today. That Jesus is constantly stretching us and showing us a way of being that we are called to live into as well. And so my hope and my dream for New Abbey is this, is that we create some shared expectations with one another. And so in a little bit after I talk about Kanye and Taylor Swift and Beyonce, I want to take a little bit of time with one another to think about what are some shared expectations that we have for one another in this room. Maybe it's simply just some wants that you have. But you may not know this, but New Abbey is coming up on its 10-year anniversary. Yeah, that's a pretty good thing. That 10 years ago, it was just like 10 people in a living room trying to figure some things out. And it was a weird time to start a progressive, inclusive, affirming church, my friends. That everyone in the big big church world that I left and the megachurches that I left, they thought I would, A was a heretic or B was an idiot. Those were my two options. And then I saw over here that there was just everyone that I knew going to a place like APU or Fuller Seminary, none of my friends went to church anymore. So I'm like, if my friends aren't showing up to places like Mosaic and Hillsong or the other churches that are literally designed to capture you, then where are people going to go? And sometimes they couldn't go to those places because even though there are great churches and good things have g- gone on there, and I'm honestly grateful for all the things that God has done in those places, there were still some things that were not congruent or integrous to people's lives. How they talked about sexuality, maybe how they talked about money, or just other aspects of life that we couldn't get into because we couldn't fully reveal all of ourselves. And there was just some growth there. And there was things like Rob Bell had wrote Love Wins. People had never even heard of Richard Rohr yet, my friends. Right? There was no podcast in 2013. And so we are just this weird, eclectic little church for years, and all of a sudden, people have heard of Richard Rohr, and there's podcasts and social media, and all of a sudden, people are like, oh my gosh, there's millions of other people who have been feeling the exact same way that I do. And there's some things that I need to deconstruct and let go of, but at the end of the day, the thing that I want more than anything else is I want a place to rebuild and reconnect and have all of the beautiful parts of my faith while also getting to be fully who I am as a human being and allowing others to be fully, human, fully themselves as human beings as well. And so I look to a Kanye, as I say, Kanye is the ultimate example for me of expectations of saying, these are the things that I don't want. It's okay to say that in the world of church. That's not okay over here. We're not going to talk that way. Those things are not welcome in this house. There's some accountability to that. Being progressive, liberal, and affirming doesn't mean that you just get to do whatever you want and say whenever you want, however you want it there's still some expectations for how we treat each other as human beings. And so what I've spent so many years with here at New Abbey is a lot of times people come in and you are hurt and you are wounded and I get it and I have been there and we want to spend all of our time critiquing things and theology and what about this and penal substitutionary atonement and oh, all right, I get it. Rapture, Kurt Cameron, oh my God. And so what I'm saying is some shared expectations in this place. Would we all agree? That's not what we want. We all agree with that, and we know what those things are. Probably most of us don't even need to name them, and we're on the same page. And now if we can move past that quickly, then we can get into things that we do want in the world. What I love about Taylor Swift is simply this, is that she has this ability to captivate a room. There's a reason that she keeps breaking her own records year after year, every tour that she has for the most sold out tours of all time. Because whether she just has a guitar by herself, or she's doing a pop song, she creates a moment of encounter for you in the audience where hundreds of thousands of people can be captivated at the same time as she keeps writing lyrics and lyrics and lyrics and lyrics. And that's a shared expectation I have for this place. Even though we might be progressive, you might be affirming, or you might be inclusive, that doesn't mean that you don't want to experience and encounter God. I know that you want to use your brain in different ways and connect with your emotions in different ways. I know that you've read other books in the King James Version Bible, my friends. And so I want you to be able to bring all of that in here and still have a moment when you're caught off guard, just like William this morning and saying, I don't always feel the holiness of God, but in this moment I did. And it makes me better as a human being. And when I experience the holiness of God in this place, when I have those moments where I remember and I capture and I reclaim those things within my soul, that sometimes when I'm just on a walk by myself in my neighborhood, I say, now there was God rustling through the trees. There was God on the hike this morning. Ah, uh, there was God once again in Oprah, my friends. <laughs> that we open ourselves to the holiness and love that is everywhere. And then the things that I want to reclaim the expectations that I have also is what a Beyonce shows me. Fits with the Leviticus story here as well. Then a Beyonce's last album, Renaissance, she highlights the black and queer community. Something that I love that Brittany says to me all the time is that every black person is a walking miracle. I know we live in a world where people get angry about Black Lives Matter, not in this community and a lot of other communities. And I understand the sentiment that all lives matter, but there's something so beautiful about the reality that Black Lives Matter, that every black person is a miracle in the United States of America, because for 400 years, this country has systemically worked to kill and oppress a very specific people group. And every single black person is a miracle. And we don't lose ourselves in that. We're reminded of the miracle that each and every single one of us is. That what a Beyonce shows us, what a Leviticus shows us, is just reminding us, putting a mirror up to us for the rest of humanity to say, oh, you're a miracle that a shared expectation that I have for this place is that we would come in here each and every week and because of the stories that you hear and the things that you're reminded of because of the community that you develop, the people that you're hanging out with, the ways that your life is being changed, that every week, even when it's a bad week and a depressed week and an anxious week and the week that your boss doesn't do things your way or when that relationship's not happening or when things are just difficult because it's a political week in America, my friends. That you can show up and be reminded but you know what when i come to this place and when i'm around the people in this room i can't control the expectations for the rest of the world but i know when i'm with these people in new abbey they remind me that i am a walking miracle these are expectations that we should have for one another so would you take the next three four five minutes and would you also do one other thing for me this is a moment where i would just love if you get out your phones and you're going to answer this question with one another where are some what are some shared expectations you have for new abbey Would you put in your phone right now info at newabbey.org as you hear some of these things in your community, as you talk about some things, would you please email us?